Matthew 11:28 Then Jesus said, "Come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest." Anyone looking for rest? It's like rest. My sons were up so early. I will give you rest. That sounds so appealing to me. Speaking of my sons, I have two boys, five years old, three years old. Uh, Kingston's the youngest. He's a three-year-old, just turned three on Tuesday. Uh, we this early, early this week, we're having some some friends over and a friend over and. Uh, I walked in the house. I came straight from a meeting. I, I like rushed into the house, ripped in the house, and I look up the stairs. And up the stairs, I see my two sons standing right at the top of the landing because we walk in the house, and just right there's the stairs. And I see them at the top of the landing, and they're standing there in their underwear and or diaper, depending on which one, just underwear, in a red cape, hands on the hips, power pose going, tra-la-la. Captain Underpants. For those of you who don't know, now you know it was books, and now it's moved to, like, movies, and it's just out of control. They were dressed as Captain Underpants, and I'm like, oh, not a good time, boys. Not a good time. And sure enough, the moment that I say that, there's a knock at the door. The doorbell rings. Friends are there. They just come in. They look up the stairs, and they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fine. They're, they're dressing up. They're playing a game. My boy's like, tra-la-la. And everyone's just like, he's just like posing and like doing his thing. He's got a red cape. And she's like, that's a nice red cape that you have. Clearly, she did not know anything about Captain Underpants. So like, I'm trying to explain why it's socially acceptable for them to be them doing what they're doing because dressing up out of context is just creepy and it's just weird and it's just strange and it's just bizarre. And yet most of us leave the house every day wearing a mask dressed up on the person that we're pretending to be instead of the person that we were actually created to be. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? That was better the second time. The first time was a little rocky, but you got it, and I appreciate that. I don't think they're awake in the nine. You guys are like, yeah, yeah. I love that opening scripture. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I am convinced that most of us never get to capitalize or experience this because none of us are willing to admit that we're worried, we're tired, we're burnt out, we're exhausted, mostly because we're pretending and we're carrying a lot of heavy baggage. So we never tap into or access what's available to us through Jesus because we've decided that we're just going to make it. Last week I talked about my favorite Blue, uh, Blue Jay, Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, Marcus Stroman. He's got this saying, never panic, just manage, which may be a great way to live life as a pitcher, but it's a terrible way to live life as a human being. Because if you're just managing every single day, it means you're just surviving. You're just keeping your head above water. You're treading water. You're not going anywhere. You're just trying to breathe. You're just trying to live. So why is it that we insist on carrying our heavy burdens, finding no rest, leaving the brave face on as if everything's okay? Why don't we just take it off and move forward? Mainly because it's terrifying. Because our society isn't built that way. Because everything wants, has to be okay. Like, when was the last time somebody said to you, hey, how are you doing today? And they actually meant it. I mean, I don't mean it ever. <laughs> Neither do you. I don't know why you're giving me a hard time. You're like, how's it going? You're like, please don't tell me. Keep walking. <laughs> right? You know, you're in the lobby at church. Like, wow, how was your week? Good. Awesome. Bye. Like, <laughs> drive-by check-ins, right? It's like, Please don't actually tell me what you're like. Please don't actually tell me what's going on. I don't want to, I got enough problems on my own. I got, a, I got enough drama. 
Isaiah describes it this way in the 29th chapter. And so the Lord says, these people, they say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. See, we put the brave face on as, as a mask, as a, as a means of protection. We think that if we just show the world that we're all right, that they'll accept us. They'll love us more. They'll, they'll actually like us. But what actually ends up happening is that most of us uh, live a life just barely surviving, just barely squeaking by. And the thing that was meant to draw us closer to people actually withdraws us from people because we're afraid that someday they're going to actually figure out that we're faking it. So we live our life going, ooh, ah, ah, maybe they're going to figure it out. I and mean, just when you start getting close, just when the connection gets really like, what if they find out I'm crazy? <laughs> and this trickles down into our spiritual life as well. These people, they say their mind, they're on me with their lips. They say the right things. They do the right things. They even follow the rules. But they're so far from God, because every time you live your life with the brave face on, you're saying, I got this. I can do this myself. Stay away. You're not just keeping people away. You're not just keeping family away. You're just not keeping fear away. You're keeping the only person who could help you through this away. You're saying, Jesus, I got this. It's on me. I got this. And he says, no, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. He's like, who told you I'm carrying a heavy burden? Because we're not willing to admit it to ourselves. How are we even willing to admit it to the creator of the universe who wants to come in and do some heart surgery? Well, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Well, let's get ready for that. Why, should we, why do we need to live this way? I contend that we're living exhausted, tired, and alone because we're pretending. What if we just decided to stop pretending? What if we just decided that we're going to take the brave face off? Well, if we're going to do that, we're going to need a strategy. We're going to need a plan. We're gonna, I want to look at this, this narrative that's found in the book of Daniel. We started there last week. It's going to walk with us through the rest of this journey. You know, every time I hear somebody tell their story or, or share what they're going through or where they are in their life, uh, I mean, I hear the amazing thing. Like, I had the best time ever this morning learning that somebody's house got struck by lightning. Like, it is terrible for them, but that actually happens to people in our community. That is mind-boggling. And it just opens you up to somebody's, like, human experience. The same thing is true in the Bible. We're reading a book written about God through the lens of humans, and their story informs our story, and it opens us up to a whole new way of living. So with that in mind, I want us to go to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start at the third verse. Some of this we looked at last week, and you should go back and listen, because last week was phenomenal, and we'll continue on this week. Daniel chapter 1, starting in the third verse, say verse 3. Wow, that was embarrassing. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz. Let's try this. Say Ashpenaz. See, that one's fun to say. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Then the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, eaten at the king's table. 
They were trained to be, uh, they were to be trained for three years, and they would then enter royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego. Verse 8, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. We'll just pause there for a moment. The first thought for today is, how do I break the cycle of going through the motions? How do we do it? How do we begin to take this brave face off? What's, what's the first step? The first step is the step that Daniel made right here. You have to determine in your heart that today is the day. Enough is enough. We're going to stop pretending and we're going to stop, start moving forward. Philippians 3 frames it this way. Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to, lies, uh, to what lies ahead. We have to determine in our heart and decide right here, right now that we're moving forward. We're going to forget what was behind us. We're going to look ahead to what is. In order for us to forget what's behind and look forward to what is, we have to be present in this moment right now, present in this moment with Jesus, present with who you are right now, and present with the person that God has created you to be. See, most of us, we live our life surviving, and there's this gap that's continually growing between the person that we're living as right now and the person that we were created to be by God. Because every time we pretend, every time we put the brave face on, we're, we're creating a gap. We're building the gap. Mine, the gap. But Daniel, verse 8, was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. We talked last week about this renaming thing that happened. Israel was conquered by the nation of Babylon. They were taken over. They, they lost their land. They lost all their possessions. King Nebuchadnezzar, very forward-thinking king, says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the best and the brightest young men. I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to give them a full-ride scholarship we're going to train them for three years. They're going to live in the palace. They're going to eat from our table. We're going, to, we're going to bring them into our culture. What was very standard was they would rename their captors, or sorry, their captives, so that they would be reminded every single time their new name was spoken that their life was not their own. They used this also as a tool to begin to break and reshape their identity. Most of these, these young men were between the ages of 13 and 16 years old. So they said, here, let's bring them into the court early. We'll train them in our way, and then we'll use them against their own people if there's a problem. And if we train them well enough, they'll be able to serve us well and to bring all of the knowledge of their nation to us. Genius plan. It started with breaking their identity by changing their name. There's power in a name. I don't have time to relook at it this week. The second thing that they did is they offered them a brand new diet. And you're like, I don't know why that's like a bad thing, like... These guys, the alternative was like poverty and no food or like eating at the king's table. Full ride scholarship, eating at the king's table, living in a palace sounds pretty unbelievable. Like I think I might take the deal. But Daniel was determined in his heart not to defile himself in this way. You see, the, the food that was offered to these guys was offered and sacrificed before other gods. According to the Israelite tradition, early scripture, Old Covenant, Old Testament, doesn't apply to us now, but it would apply to them then, was they could not partake, they could not eat of any of that. The moment they did it, they created a separation between themselves and God. The moment they did that, 
There was three levels. You could either live a life, uh, you know, just kind of a normal person who was just doing their own thing apart from God. You could live at a moral standard where you were morally a good person, uh, but you didn't really have any religious affiliation. And the, t- the highest way of living was if to live a, w- a life that was ceremonially clean, meaning you followed the letter of the law. You know, if you've ever read Leviticus or any of those books, there's a lot of stuff, crazy stuff <laughs> that they had to live by back in the day. Now, most of us look at it and we judge and we're like, that's just craziness. No, it was just called cleanliness. If you start reading it and seeing some of the rules, God actually laid out a whole game plan so that people didn't get sick and die in their nomadic, like, first world culture. Like, it was just incredible what God did so many years ago. We look at it as rules. I look at it as life. Either way, Daniel decided he was going to not eat that way. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't really think like eating's that big of a deal. Like, why does it matter? Like, what's one piece of food or fruit or meat gonna do? Let's take a journey back, Genesis three. <laughs> the serpent, <laughs> and this is Satan disguised as a serpent, dressed as living as, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? The answer is no, God never said that. Eve knew that and she responded, no, no, God didn't say that. He just said we couldn't eat from this one tree. He's like, interesting you bring that one tree up. God told you that you're going to die if you eat from that tree, right? And she said, yeah. He's like, you're not. Really? No. God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because... You'll become like God. And Eve just heard, I'll be God if I eat that tree, eat from that tree. Yeah. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) And so she reached out and grabbed passion fruit or pomegranate. I don't don't know what other fruits grow on trees. Uh, Orange is boring. (laughs) It's like grabs an orange. Like, it's got to be more exciting, like dragon fruit. I don't know. Grabs, grabs a banana, peels off the Made by Jesus sticker and just <laughs> eats the fruit. And in that moment with that single piece of fruit that Adam and Eve both ate, both equally, respon- <laughs> both equally responsible, no matter what some people might tell you, there was a separation from God that was established that Jesus had to come to die on the cross to begin to repair, to build a bridge that when we get to the next life, this new heaven and new earth will be fully restored. You see, right after they ate the fruit, God came down from heaven to walk with them in the cool of the day, which was customary for him every single day. He would come and just chill and be like, hey, you want to go for a walk? They're like, sure. Because there's nothing more incredible than going for a walk in the creation made by the creator of the universe. Because I think I'd play a game, I'd be like, Hey, God, that mountain looks great, but it would be so much better if it was bigger. He's like, agreed. (laughs) Awesome. You see, it's the small decisions and small choices that ultimately end up defining us. And that's what Daniel was fighting right here, right there. See, there's only four young Israelite men named the scholars believe there was as many as 30 to 40 that went. Only four said, we're following God no matter what. We're going his way. We're not going to live our way. Only four. 
Now, that was quite a big decision because those four kind of made it into the best-selling book of all time. They also went through incredible trials, which you will discover on this journey. Daniel proposed something different. Verse 9. Now, God had given the chief of staff, who's named Ashpenaz, which is amazing, both respect and, ad- and affection for Daniel. So Daniel goes and he asks Ashpenaz, hey, like, we can't eat this stuff. Can we eat something else? And the amazing thing about Ashpenaz is uh, knowing how, how important names were in that time. His, his name was Man of Sorrowful Countenance, which literally, this was a walking, living, talking Eeyore. Like, he's like, woe is me. He's literally just like sad guy all the time. And Daniel's like, listen, can I, can I, can we do this? Can, can you like help us out? Can like, we don't want to live this way. We want to live a different way. You're my friend. We're bros. Can you help us out? Cause friends help friends out. And he's like, I'm afraid of my Lord, the King who ordered that you eat his food and wine. And he's just like, no, I can't do it. But that didn't stop Daniel. Daniel went to the chief of staff's assistant and said, listen, here's what we're going to do. We can't eat any of that stuff. We're going to eat some vegetables. We're going to eat some fruit. We're going to drink water. That's it. Give us 10 days. At the end of 10 days, you can test us. If we look pale, if we don't look good, we'll, we'll, we'll change. But trust us, at the end of 10 days, we're going to look amazing. At the end of 10 days, these, the, the assistant comes back and he's like, you're right. You guys look incredible. You guys just keep doing this. I'm looking awesome for feeding you just vegetables. Now, some of us might think, oh, this is clearly the scriptural validation for a vegetarian diet. Because they looked amazing. That's not true. This is a scriptural uh, documentation for what happens when you put all of your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus. Where even when the stuff that you're taking in shouldn't nourish you the way that it did, God takes care of it. It's, 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 it's an opportunity for us to put our hope and trust in Jesus in the small things that keeps us close to him and it gives him an opportunity to show up and show off in our lives. In those little details that don't seem to matter, like it's like, bro, just eat the meat. It's a steak. It's amazing. When did you eat like this before? He's like, I prefer an apple. It's not about the diet It's about what it's doing for my heart and my soul. My question for you today is, what part of you have you given up? What part of you is missing because you're leaving the brave face on? Because there's four people mentioned by name, but 40 people showed up. Those 40 people faded into history. Daniel and these three other guys excelled in every area. They went to the highest levels of the court. I think, why? Because they trusted Jesus, they realized that it was the small things that mattered. What small things have you given up on in order to blend in? Because the second thought for today is that the brave face blends in. If you're just trying to survive, if you're just trying to to, to keep your head above water, then you don't want anybody to notice you because the moment somebody notices you is the moment somebody figures out that you're faking it. And so we put aside things in our hearts, things in our personalities. We put aside things that we're supposed to be and the person that we're created to be, and we trade it for somebody else. We trade it for a different version of events, a different story of who we are. (laughs) 
What have you given up in order to maintain your brave face? What have you compromised in order to keep up appearances? You're like, oh, this is one of those messages where the pastor hits us hard about the way we're living our lives and we need to do less fun stuff and be more holy. No, this is the moment when I have an honest conversation with you, not just about your addiction to painkillers, but your addiction to Netflix, because you can't put your head on the pillow without watching a show because you are terrified of confronting who, uh, who you actually are and what's going on in your life. This is the moment where we get real and we get honest because we're all self-medicating in some way. So why don't we just stop pretending and why don't we start moving forward? Why don't we realize that we've all fallen short of the glorious standard of God, but where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Now what happens is when I say where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, which is in the Bible, some of us go, oh, well, that's just a permission to sin. and You need to hit people over the head and tell them that they're not living right. No, the only people who use that as a free pass are the people who have been sitting here waiting way too long using it as a get out of jail free card most of us christians have used and abused that card most of us who are on a journey trying to find jesus are like listen i'm messed up i'm jacked up can i get in jesus says yes christians say no Part of us taking off the brave faces is acknowledging that we're all messed up. We've all got something going on. We're all working through something. We've all got pain. And Jesus is calling us all forward. He's not just calling the good ones. Jesus was known as what? Friend of sinners. That was his reputation. It's word on the street. You know who you hang? Jesus, do you know who you're hanging out with? Yes. Prostitutes, pimps tax collectors, bad people. Why? Luke 5. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. So, we could all, on one side of the spectrum, pretend that we are holier than thou, that we've got it all figured out, that we're all okay. Or, we could all together Take this pretend mask off, take off the veneer, and saying together as a family, a church family, as a body, you're like, I don't think I've joined the family yet. Too late, you're in. We could all decide that, hey, we're going to stop the antics, we're going to stop the stuff, and we're just going to, we're just going to move forward together. We're going to be honest about where we are. Because the moment we become honest where we are is the moment that we invite Jesus into our circumstance right now. Not in our fairy tale, not in our dream. Not We don't invite him into the situation where we hope eventually we'll be and he'll show up. We invite him where we are right now so we can move forward together. I want to move forward with Jesus. I don't want to be stopped. So how do we take this brave face off? We follow the plan that Daniel laid out before us. We need wisdom and we need resolve. We determined it in our heart that today is the day, today is the moment. And then when you get a no, Daniel went to the first guy, thought he was his friend. He said, listen, I, I need some help to, to, not, to not break my covenant. And the guy says, listen, I can't help you. Did Daniel give up? No, he determined in his heart. I'm going to go to the next guy. Can you help me? God gave him a unique strategy and plan to convince that guy what, that, what Daniel actually did 
was he didn't convince that guy to trust him. He convinced that guy to trust Jesus. He says, listen, bro, this isn't about my diet. This is about what's going on in the inside of me. And maybe you should try this thing out. He began to start a revolution. Some of us are on the brink of leading a revolution and a change in your workplace, in your family, in your office, in your community, in your neighborhood. All you need to do is determine in your heart, take the mask off and start living. You're wondering why you're living a disconnected life. It's because we're all pretending. What if you were the one person who took the mask off and said, listen, how you doing? I actually care. Here's how I'm doing. And they're like, wow, we thought you were perfect. No, I'm not perfect, but let's move forward together. How do we take it off? Wisdom and resolve. The more we trust in Jesus, the more he proves himself. The more he proves himself, the bigger risk I'm willing to take. But it's not smart to just throw caution to the wind. We need wisdom. What's wisdom? If you're going to take the brave face off, you need a safe place and you need trusted people. Safe place, trusted people. The first trusted person is Jesus. Scripture describes him this way in Psalm 91. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Psalm 40. You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness, your truth will continually preserve me. All throughout Psalms and Proverbs, he's described as a shelter, a refuge, a fortress, a deliverer, a strong tower. You're like, I need somewhere safe to go. Go to Jesus. Isaiah describes him as the Prince of Peace. The New Testament describes him as the anchor for my soul and the peace which surpasses all understanding. We go to Jesus, but we need a safe place. See, most of us are afraid to take off our masks because if we take off our mask, especially in a community, a church community, we're like, if people find out who we are, then I'm going to lose my place. I'm going to lose my position. I'm going I'm to have to do something different. I'm going to have to change. Now, this is a safe place. We don't have to be afraid of consequences. Consequences are real in every area of life, but we're not hanging anybody out to dry. We're walking with everybody through any season, through any challenge. After we find a safe place, we have to find trusted people. The book of James says it like this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person is great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I'm not talking about confession. Don't call me and tell me all your sins. I don't open up on Wednesdays for you to come and sit down and talk to me. We believe that you can go straight to Jesus. Now, you're like, well, what does this mean? Confess to one another. The whole context of this scripture was saying, brother and sisters, if you need help, go to your brother and sister. Go to your brother and sister, your your family, the family of God, the church. That's your brother. That's your sister. Go to safe, trusted people, people that you can trust. Tell them what you're struggling with and then pray together that you're going to move forward. Don't just air your dirty laundry to everybody. Go find somebody that you can trust. Talk to them. Be honest with them. Be real with them. You can keep them accountable. They can keep you accountable and we can all move forward together. Let's build community at a different level where we're actually being real and I can be honest with you about what's going on in my life and my marriage and all those things and you can be honest with me and together we're going to go to Jesus and together he's going to give us a solution. Lisa Bevere says this and I'm going to be done because it's enough. Don't ever mistake something you struggle with for something you are. Don't ever mistake something you struggle with 
for something you are.